This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, welcome to the show that's all about what's working and what's not in stocks and markets. I was waiting for the whip there. <laughs> yes. Shocked. I can't I'm miss Ju- that. I'm not Julian Ng. In fact, I'm sure I'd quit it. And, uh, and next I'm to Julian me, and You are Julian Ng. And we have as our guest today, James Hay. He's a regular guest uh, from Pangolin uh, Investment Management. Uh, uh, and we're going to be talking to James about his hopes and his bets for 2017. Uh, but if you have a question, you can join the conversation too. So just uh, you can tweet us at uh, BFM Radio or you can text us or WhatsApp us at uh, 016-201-9000. That's 016-201-9000. Remember? Only market-related questions. Yeah. Don't ask us about your what to or do with your girlfriend. Uh, or personal James, questions. James won't be able to answer that. I might. <laughs> Good morning and Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. Okay, so where do we begin? Uh, do we do we talk about... You had a great year this year, James. And I know in the last show that you talked about the, the, why you won that award that you won. Uh, so are we just going to focus on uh, next year? Yeah, I, I, we want to. And I guess uh, what's in everybody's mind right now is the ringgit, right? And for me, I guess I have a more technical question as to how you look at your investments from the viewpoint of a ringgit which has fallen. I don't know. I lost count now, what, 30%. And so say, say the market... Um, mix you, uh, what, uh, 10%, 12% per annum over the last five years. I, I'm sure you do better than that. Uh, and, and the U.S. dollar investments like the S&P 500 returns, what, uh, 15% per annum over the last five, six years. How do you uh, make the case for in continued investments in Malaysia, which you love? Yeah. Um, so you're right. We, had a, we were having a great year up until last month. Um, we were up about 15%. Now we're up about 8%. Um, so we, we lost five and a half percent last month and that was largely ringgit driven and Malaysian stock market driven. Now, now the Malaysian stock market was down nine percent in ringgit terms last month. Um, what I'm worried about in Malaysia is the response of the authorities to the weakening ringgit, uh, which, which seems to me to be making matters only worse. So it is something, um, I think Harold Macmillan, who's Prime Minister of Britain a long time ago, um, said he, he's entitled to change his mind when things change. Um, <laughs> okay. I've always been very enthusiastic about Malaysia, but I'm beginning to wonder whether the ringgit weakness is structural. Um, and the more measures that Bank Negara put in place to try and shore it up only make it worse. And, 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 and they're missing the point. It's not foreigners, it's locals who are trying to get their money out of this country. And the harder they make it, the less money will come in and the more people will try to get their money out. So at the moment, we are quite concerned about actually where the ringgit's going to go. And we have, we've had many discussions about this on uh, the SNM show as well, and most of it would uh, center around the conclusion that the fixed ringgit is a very much longer term rather than shorter term. But I'm just curious, what, what do you tell your clients who I'm sure look at their portfolio from a US dollar viewpoint and, and the, the ringgit returns, even if you tell them the returns are very attractive, uh, but the ringgit still gets, yeah. gets bashed. Uh, we, we've made money in our Malaysian stocks in US dollars this year because we bought very cheaply last year. At this time of year, we normally get a, an emerging market shakeout anyway. It's, it's almost an annual thing. Um, but, but this ringgit depreciation is different from what's happening in Indonesia or in Thailand or elsewhere where we're looking. And, it, and it's specific to Malaysia. Um, and, and, and so we do have to look at what we own and we do have to make sure that what we own is going to be 
um, it, it's not going to be hit too hard if the ringgit goes to five, say, against the US dollar. Well, James, okay, you, you mentioned the authorities and the actions they're taking. Yeah. We've had many people weigh in on this discussion, yeah. including those who would defend Bank Nagara's actions. Um, in terms of, uh, you, you know, from your perspective, what do you think Bank Nagara is doing? Uh, whose interest is it protecting? Uh, it, you know, uh, is it... Can you make the argument that there's an, a national interest that is being protected, or is it uh, got I to think do that's with? It, I think that's what they'd say. Um, I, th I think if you, if you look at countries like Zimbabwe um, or Venezuela, and you and you look at now where where, where their domestic currencies are completely worthless, um, you, you'll see that what initially happened were small steps like this in order to stop their currencies depreciating, measures to stop people moving too much money overseas. Um, stopping their currencies becoming exchangeable overseas, that kind of thing. And it's step by step, and they make it worse. Um, the, the rule for exporters having to um, tr change most of their dollars back into ringgit will only make Malaysia a less attractive place to open a factory to, to make things for export. So that is really um, cutting your nose to spite your face. And that will make the economy weaker, not stronger. So I think, that, I think personally, my, my answer is to say, give up. Don't, don't try and defend the ringgit. Let there be a market rate. Make it fully transferable wherever. Have a decent onshore, um, I mean onshore and offshore, get rid of the distinction. Make it tradable onshore and offshore. Let the Malaysian banks make money out of, out of, out of trading in, um, in, in the ringgit dollar or whatever they want to trade. And, and just let the market set the rate because in the end, the market only sets the rate. Mm -hmm. So 2017, how do these measures yeah. colour your views about longer-term well, well, investments? Ma it makes us more, more, more worried about Malaysia. Now, Malaysia, I always say, if you want to find cheap companies, cheap, well-managed companies, Malaysia is the place to look. But, but if the top-down is changing, we do have to think about that um, again. Because, because if, if we think it's structural and if we think things are changing, um, then we do have to change our view here. And normally at this time of year, everyone's thinking, well, God, it's a month to Chinese New Year. We should, we should be talking about the Chinese New Year rally because <laughs> that's what people are normally talking about. They're talking about Nobody's the, the talking Santa about rally. I, right I haven't now. heard anyone talking about that yet. Okay, right? you paint a kind of broad and perhaps slightly grim picture of what's happening in the economy. Is it possible that you could still invest in particular counters and particular companies that despite uh, the, these conditions, and let's assume they're not going to yeah. change, Bank Nagara is not going to change it, mind about its strategy that you can still invest in particular companies and counters that will do well um, you can invest in businesses that will do well mm. um, if the ringgit continues to slide I'm not convinced the market will do well right and that, that that's that's a risk but I mean obviously exporters would do well palm oil something we would never touch with a barge pole would do well furniture exporters would do well electronics guys should do well and anything priced in ringgit and sold in dollars should do well. I mean, that, that, that's fairly obvious. Um, and that should help drive the economy. I mean, actually, fundamentally, the economy is okay, but confidence is, is, is really shot, I'd say, amongst the, the, middle, the middle classes. So the exporters, uh, currently the subject of uh, Bank Nagara's uh, control and target, uh, do you have anything invested in exporters? And, yeah, uh, we have. We and have. We've got one, basically. We've got two, in a way. We have have we you have chatted with them and uh, what they feel about the currency now? I, I haven't got round to yeah. it yet because they're all going to say this same thing. Yeah. I mean, let, which us, is, let, which, our, let, yeah. let us decide what we do with our money, not the government. Right? They'll all say the same thing. Yeah, right? and I is mean, this going to change your, your view? Well, I think it might change their view. I yeah. mean, if, if, I mean we, 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 we talked about Po Huat in the past, furniture manufacturer down in, down in Moire. There are lots of furniture manufacturers down there. They'll all be getting lots of orders at the moment. They've got a factory in Vietnam. So where, where, do, they, where do they put their next expansion? Are they going to put it in Moire? 
which might be more attractive or would have been more attractive, or in Vietnam. They're probably going to put it into Vietnam. Vietnam has, has their own there. set of uh, exchange control yeah, rules, okay. though. Or maybe they'll find somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, so you talked about the middle classes, James, yeah. and I think we've had that Randstad uh, um, yeah, survey that's done that shows that Malaysians are much, much more pe pessimistic than the global average, much more pessimistic than, say, Singaporeans or, uh, or people in Hong Kong about what the future will, will hold for them. Now, assuming that middle class people are, they have property, they have the fixed deposits, they have, yeah. uh, you know, they bought onto the stock market. Do you think uh, middle class Malaysians should move their money out of, out of the stock exchange, out of markets? Um, if, if you're really long term, probably not. But I think they're already doing it. They're just not putting it in. They're not putting their money into Malaysia. They're keeping their money offshore. What they can transfer offshore, they can. I was in Country Heights the other day. I hadn't been there for a long time. I, mean, I reckon at least <laughs> a, a, third, a third to a half of properties have got for sale signs on them down there now. Um, you know, th those are the rich guys selling, right? Um, Damansara Heights, where, where I live, awful lot for sale. You never saw for sale signs there before. Okay, we'll be back with more after this at BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the SM show continues uh, with our guest James Hay from Pangolin Investment Management. We're just talking about uh, the pes general pessimism that James sees uh, in the economy and among um, middle class Malaysians who are not investing in the stock market. Uh, we do have a question. So remember, if you have a question for James or Julian, or myself, God forbid, uh, you can uh, send a tweet to uh, at BFM Radio or text us at 016-201-9000. You can WhatsApp us. Um, now, we did have a question come in. Yeah, so the question is that uh, this um, writer says the government blames oil prices for the ringgit, what's happening to the ringgit. If that's the case, why hasn't the Brunei dollar come down? Um, I'm not an expert on the Brunei dollar. Off the top of my head, I believe it's pegged to the Singapore dollar. Yeah, James, you're absolutely right. Uh, according to uh, the all, all the font of all information, the Brun which is Wikipedia, of course, uh, the Brunei dollar is managed together with the Singapore dollar at a one-to-one -one ratio by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. So yes, yeah, so you won't see that same uh, movement then. No, I mean Singapore, Singapore currency. I mean Singapore is is, is a very oil-related. Um, country as well. I mean, the value, the, va the value of its trade is largely driven by um, oil and gas but services, oil, even oil though they don't have any. Yeah. Oil services. Um, so, so it's weak, weak for the economy there, but it's how you respond to it. Yeah. We've, seen, we've seen a few, uh, one or two bankruptcies in Singapore, some fallouts yeah. from uh, the oil price fallout yeah. as well in Singapore. I mean, what, what we keep seeing at the moment is, is ministers and officials saying everything's fine, the ring gets undervalued, it will bounce back next year, it's all going to get better. Um, I remember in 1998 when I was a broker here, um, we, kept getting, we had terrible haze um, and uh, the market... Some things never changed. And, and the market kept crashing. Um, and um, every now and then there'd be a headline which would say, which would say the worst is over. And we used to cut it in the front of the star of the NST. We used to cut these out <laughs> and stick them on the door of the dealing room. I, re um, I remember ads were taking now uh, to, the ex uh, to the effect of the clouds are clearing for Malaysia. Do yeah. you remember that on, on Bloomberg, on CNN? Well, this year is no haze, so yeah. it's quite good news there. Yeah. But, um, but, um, but, but actually, um, we ended up with about seven or eight of these things stuck on the, on the door. And I think things just got worse. And in the end, I lost my job, you know. But there we go. <laughs> you know, I mean, I and think look at where you are it's today. It's interesting <laughs> you mentioned the media because sometimes the media feels, I mean, some of the media feels that its job is to be a cheerleader, right? And see the glass half full and uh, perhaps paint the, uh, the optimistic picture. But it, 
then they lose the, the, the role of being honest brokers in the discussion about what actually is yeah. happening in the country. Uh, but coming back to, James, your point about, uh, you know, you said earlier, if you're long term, then perhaps you want to keep your money in. Uh, if we're not going to follow the herd, if we're not going to be, you know, driven by panic, what should well, we do? Well, you should be looking at exporting companies at the moment, right? Because they don't necessarily get a margin boost because their prices get adjusted. But they get a, a boost in, in the amount of business they're getting because what, what they're selling is, is cheaper than, than, than elsewhere. Um, so that makes sense. You could, you could take a converse view. You could look at some companies which have been completely bombed out by the fall in the ringgit and say, OK, what is the ringgit's downside from here? If it's even another 10%, which would take us to, to five approximately, um, how much more is it going to hurt this company? Is this now the bottom of it? Is the valuation there? We, we've been looking at a, at, a, at, a f at a couple of counters, a couple of consumer names which are being hit hard. You could say if the Malaysian tourism uh, body's forecasts are correct and there are going to be 8 million Chinese tourists here by 2020, then my favourite company, Padini, has got <laughs> lots of shops in the centre of hell. <laughs> and they're all going to be buying, buying like mad. Um, you know, Uniqlo, all these stores are all going to be doing well. Um, and the Chinese will come here. They're trying to get their money out of their country. They'll say, right, let's stick it in Malaysia. Let's buy an apartment by KLCC or whatever instead. So you can be optimistic as well. It's just that at the short term, it just feels quite hard work to be optimistic about anything here at, at, at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, I think unfortunately as well, or fortunately, uh, depending on how you look at it, that uh, the stocks and markets of Malaysia is right now a ringgit proxy. So whether you put money into it or not, uh, as a foreign investor, depends on your view on yeah. the, of the ringgit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And is it absolutely cheap enough to be doing so? I mean, in some cases, of course it is, and, and that's what we're looking at. We, we, at. At the moment, a lot of what we own is cheap enough to buy. It's just at the moment we're not buying it because we are worried about the ringgit. And, that, and that's something which hasn't really ever affected us before because we've been able to manage these things. I hope I'm completely wrong. I mean, I've always said I'm useless at forecasting currencies, economies or anything else. I'm not bad at picking stocks, I like to think, but, but, but top down, I'm not that great. What about the question of gold? I mean, people, uh, you know, I, I know gold prices have gone down. And so is, is that a place to put your money if you don't, you're not... Uh, yeah, you're, you're, asking uh, the, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> sanguine I, about... I've, I've got no idea. I just, yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, I, there are companies yeah. here well, that are selling gold, there. right? Well, they, of course. I'm, no, I mean, and they're really cheap, yeah? And they're really cheap. The jewelers are really cheap. I mean, they're very liquid. But compared to... I mean, if, if you, actually, if you look at the jewellery companies, and you, if you, you, you can say they've got debt, but actually their in inventory is basically cash. They can liquidate it in, in, in five days or less. It's just gold and, and diamonds, right? might be worth 80% of what they priced it at or whatever. Um, these companies are very cheap. And we have looked at them in the past. We don't own any, but we've looked at them. You know, Tomai, Enkong, etc. That's a that's a very interesting question here on dividends, right? Uh, would you go? I mean, the world is right now jumping on this bandwagon to buy into high yield stocks because uh, interest rates are just next to nothing. What do you think of this uh, dividend stocks? Um, we like companies that pay dividends because um, basically we like companies that, that invest either in themselves and if they can't find a use for that money, they pay it back to shareholders rather than finding other things to do. So not just because of the high yield, but because the company is well managed and the capital is well managed, not just this year, but generally, then, then I, mean, I, think, I think evidence shows that over the long term, companies that pay higher dividends perform better than companies that don't. I mean, that, that, that's just a given. Mm -hmm. So over the long term, one should always buy companies that allocate cash sensibly. And what do you do with the money, though? What do you do? Well, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the way to get rich is to compound. So you invested in something. So you, know, you, re- you have to find something yeah, else. Well, you have to find. Well, you can invest you, in the same it, company. You, you put I, it back in the I, same company. I generally do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so, I've been I've been reinvesting my dividend. I own something in Hong Kong called Cafe de Coral, which which is, is I've been there. The fast food. Horrible yeah. food. Horrible. Maybe, maybe horrible good food, but they but yeah. they but they sell three. They do three and a half million meals a day out of a population of seven million. Right. Yeah. It's Hong so, Kong version of yeah. fast food. Well, that's that's substantial. Well, that includes school food as well. But yeah, it's a lot of people. Right, so it means a lot of people eat it twice a day, I and mean, some people don't eat it at all. Um, and every six months, I reinvest my dividend, and I've been doing that for a, for a very long time. They and, have the, and script, the power of compounding is, is they have the script version of the dividend, right? Uh, instead of collecting cash, you can collect uh, p- shares. No, not that I'm aware of. I yeah. think just cash for me. Yeah. Just, Maybe just it's cash. a long so time ago. Yeah. Reinvest. Just cash every time. Okay, yeah. one of the things that I think is happening is the stock market's particularly, it's quite tepid, right? And I, if you look at your stock, I'm asking a kind of basic yeah. question. If my stock isn't rising in value very much, uh, you know, you bought the wrong stock. Is it? Is that? I mean, no, should no, you no, be? No, it's no, not no, a horse no, race. No, 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 absolutely it? not. No, look, look, look at what the ca- look at how the company's performing. I mean, I've been really bearish. I'm a bit worried about the ringgit. I, I was on. I, I was awake last night, and I was thinking, where's Malaysia going? Everything else, but actually, valuation-wise, just look at how a business is doing outside of Malaysia. We're finding businesses that are still doing very well and are trading very cheaply, even within Malaysia. It's just that just the ringgit headache is, is the only thing. But if you don't worry about the share price, worry about the underlying performance of the businesses. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any questions, but remember, if you do have a question, we still have time to take a question from you. Tweet us at, at BFM Radio or text Actually, us at zero one six two zero one nine thousand. We do have a question coming. We, in. we have a we have a question. I'm not sure if I understand this question, but what low risk investment would you recommend better than fixed deposits? Uh, I'm sh- I think that's uh, um, sort of an oxymoron, right? If you want low risk, uh, you can't invest in stocks. Um, I, you're okay, James is stumped. No, well, yeah. <laughs> That's the what, I'd, I'd always invest in stocks. I'd always find a good company, yeah, and public bank. Yeah, but they're not necessarily low risk because uh, then. No, yeah, you're right. You, no, you there is the there risk is some there is yeah. some risk. I mean, there's a risk that the bank can go bust, right? So there's there's never zero risk, yeah. right? Um, yeah, fixed deposits. But are the likelihood risk. of say something like public bank cash under your, cash under your mattress maybe um, yeah. is, is one other thing. <laughs> what about yeah. buying property? What about yeah, putting it in property. stuff like that? Yeah. No. Well, the prop- Property market's pretty subdued as again here at the moment. Yeah, but but, but in, in the long run, property always does well here. Oh, right. Okay, Frida is in the room, so it means we have to wrap up soon. But uh, 2017, what are you, optimistic, pessimistic? Um, I'm always optimistic. As a, as a, as a, as a, in the end, I'm always optimistic. As a, as, as, a, as, a, as a value guy, if you can find value, which we can, then, then you're always optimistic. It just doesn't mean you necessarily make money in 2017. You might have to wait till 2018 or 19. But I always think we can, we can buy stuff. Thank you very much. That was James Hay of Pangolin Investment Management, uh, award-winning, no less. And of course, you heard from Julian Ng just now. Myself, Shorat Kutu. We're coming to the end of the morning run, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.